0: During the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Welcome back to Financial Coaches Network podcast. Emily, what are we talking about today?
1: So, last week we started talking about perfectionism. So today we're going to continue that conversation, namely around the topic of why you should stop pretending you have your sh- whatever you want to fill in that word with together.
0: Your shift We've,
1: together. Yes, your shift together. there we go. <laughs> we had a couple discussions about which word to plug in there, so we'll we'll leave it with shift. I like that.
0: Okay, so, uh, where do you want to start then?
1: Let's start with. Let's talk about why we as humans want to, which we'll see if we'll see if psychology, Josh, can come out rather than marketing business. Josh, why do we humans want to always pretend that we have our shift together as opposed to opening up? And why is that not the best policy? I guess that's the second part. Yeah. So why, why do what is where does that innate desire to for perfectionism come from?
0: broadly speaking you know there's a lot of different factors in this a lot of this comes down to when we're wrong right evolutionarily that's mean, that's meant death yeah <laughs> so we don't like the idea of being wrong right i ate the wrong berries and now, and now
1: i'm, I'm dead. dead yeah i was talking about that with somebody the other day in terms of fear of the unknown um, they were plugging in all their data and they're like, you know, it's not great, but I feel so much better. Just like seeing all the numbers. There. I'm like, yeah, that's because, you know, we don't know what's in that cave. Is there a bear? Is there a tiger? Is something going to chop my head off? I don't know. That's terrifying. And yeah.
0: yeah. So we have a natural dislike of the unknown. And of course, when we want to pretend that we know something that we have stuff together that it it's us coping with that natural fear of the unknown, right? Yeah. Humans don't like ambiguity. Um, we also have a, a very strong uh, tendency toward loss aversion, right? We don't we fear losses far more than we fear gains, mm. and I think a lot of people attribute the desire to like show that you know a lot of stuff to the desire to like build your, your reputation and mm-hmm. absolutely there's a part of that that that's incorporated into it but you know you also have to realize that it's also the fear of losing your reputation if you don't yeah. have the answer and my guess is if you've ever been in a situation with a client and they've asked a question that you don't know the answer to right That fear that that anxiety that bubbled up inside of you wasn't from, oh my God, I have the, the ability to show my expertise. And now I'm anxious about how I show my expertise. So I need to pretend like I know this stuff. Right. It's, oh my God, what if they find out that I don't know something that they're hiring me to know? Right. right? So Absolutely. it's that fear of loss aversion that's, that's hitting us harder. Um, and so those two things really, really play into it. There's also sociocultural things and family. Dynamic things of growing up um with regard to we we have this tendency not to um not to celebrate being wrong right yeah. <laughs> so you know we you're you're expected to get the right answer Yeah. and if you don't get the right answer then you failed the test right and so there's this the there there are these. Um, there are these social, whether it's from parents, from teachers, from society, there are these social expectations that, that we place on ourselves that we are failing if we don't have the answer,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? As opposed to um, we're not, you know. And it's kind of interesting, you know. Your science class, you're expected to get the right answer, and if you get the wrong answer, you're in trouble. Right, (laughs) but real scientists
1: want to get the wrong answer, (laughs) and
0: if they get the wrong answer, that's exciting, (laughs) right? Like, oh wow,
1: I didn't know that was going to happen. Okay, that here are sixteen more questions to ask, or okay, now we know that doesn't work. Now we just move on to the next thing.
0: Exactly, and so there's this disconnect between what we kind of expect societally and what actually works in the world, Mm -hmm. In the real world. So I think, so that's a lot of where we desire that perfectionism. And I think it's important to recognize that in yourself. I think it's important to realize that that comes from a place of insecurity and coming, having things growing out of a place of insecurity. That is something that is, um, that is something that is really not good for the trust relationship. Right. If you found out, if your doctor, um, it feels like they're kind of making up the information on the spot.
1: Mm-hmm. That it, doesn't feel good. Address,
0: right. If your doctor says, I have no idea, I'm going to research that, you mm-hmm. appreciate the care that they're taking for you. Yep. And I think it's important to realize that you don't have to be perfect in order to be effective with clients. Yeah. You don't have to have all the answers, nor should you have all the answers in order to be good and effective in your business, right?
1: And it's important to keep in mind as well that the client probably doesn't expect you to have all the answers. And it almost gets concerning if you're working with somebody who does know all the answers because then it's like, wait, why do they know literally everything? nobody knows it gets yep. suspicious like what are they are they just a way better bser than i am than my yeah. detector is like what's going on
0: i will tell you right now in the thousands of students that i have had <laughs> right in, in my career the tens upon tens of thousands of hours of of teaching that i've done the things that that oftentimes get the most positive comments from students Mm
1: -hmm.
0: are when I say, that's a really good question. I have no idea what the answer is. Let's think through it and talk through it together. Right. Right. Right? And and sort of do a guided exploration with them. Or if,
1: if somebody says to you, wow, that's a great question. Let's work through it together. What does that tell you? It says, Wow. They respect me. Wow. They think I'm intelligent. Wow. They're willing to admit that they're not infallible. You know, they, there are things that they don't know. And yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you're still showcasing your expertise.
1: Right. Because you're saying, here's how we're going to work. through."
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The other side of it is, um, and, and the other thing is, when I tell, especially in my entrepreneurship classes, uh, when I tell uh, stories of my colossal mistakes in starting businesses, right. right? And so, you know, and and it's it's something that people really appreciate that sort of you're human, but you're working through it with me, or you're mm-hmm. human, but and you're willing to make yourself vulnerable, right? <laughs> Um, and that's a really powerful thing, both from a preserving your expertise, or at least the perception of your expertise within the client, but also from a building trust standpoint. Yeah. right? Not a trust in your expertise, but a trust in you and your character. Right.
1: It makes you more relatable as well. Be like, yeah. oh, hey, because most, pe- most clients who come to most financial coaches are in some kind of situation varying on scale and varying on topic where they feel like they don't have their insert word here together in some way. Maybe it's huge. Maybe it's like, Oh my gosh, I am up to my eyeballs in debt. I have no idea how I'm going to pay my bills that are due tomorrow. Maybe it's, huh, you know, I don't really love my job. I kind of like to transition here The general feeling where it's not like catastrophic, we have to, you know, the house is on fire, we have to put the fire out, but it's still some general sense of something is just not quite right, I'm not really feeling steady, and he'd be like, hey, I also am not perfect, and I also don't have everything together all the time. It helps. You're human. You're not. Exactly. Exactly. So,
0: do you have any other structured questions, or...
1: Have any other I don't think I have any other
0: structured questions. Okay. So I think one of the things that probably would be helpful is um to talk about the dangers, right? What are the dangers of pretending that you have everything, right? Of of feeling like you have to have everything perfect. Yeah. Right. Um and there's a wide variety one of the one of the first ones that tends to come up around this topic is you just never get started on things. Right. And that's a huge, huge challenge because you have the, these ideas for starting a coaching business. And I guess there are people listening to this that are have an idea of starting a coaching business. And it has been four years. Right. <laughs> um, and it's it's really important to uh, you, that you let go of that perfectionism because you will never start. Right. A business is, owning a business is an exercise in sequential failure. That is what- I, I
1: don't like that.
0: That's you, what it is. Yeah. So if you don't like that, go work for someone else. Yeah. Right. There is a phrase that, it's a joke, but there's a little bit of underlying truth to it. Mm-hmm. And it is a students work for C students and B students work for the government. Now, most people have never, ever given a thought to that. They just repeat it because it sounds pretty clever. I don't know who created this phrase. It's definitely not me. I don't know whether they realize the underlying truth of the phrase there and is, this, is,
1: this is where I'm resisting the urge that I talked about last time to go Google it and figure out the answer right now, right. but I'm resisting. Yeah. Yeah. I might do it later, but anyway.
0: But there is, there is an underlying truth to that, which is what, the idea of A students work for C students. That doesn't mean C students are the boss. That means C students are the entrepreneurs. Mm. Because A students, by their nature, don't like failure. Mm-hmm. They don't like getting things wrong which makes them incredible managers, incredible employees, incredible COOs and CFOs. But because they don't like getting things wrong, because they are so focused on getting things right, it makes it very difficult for them to sustain their own personal life and mental health and everything else with the business, because you are so constantly met with your own failure as entrepreneurs. And so A students work for C students because C students, they're comfortable with failure. You don't become a C average by getting nothing but Cs. You probably got some Bs and A's and you probably got some Ds and Fs, which means you're comfortable with failure. It happened, but you have enough persistence so that you don't fail the overall class, Mm. right? And I think that's one of the big dangers as, as potential entrepreneurs of, of people who have been A students of perfectionists, right? Is that you're going to have a really hard time if you hold on to that perfectionism. And I know that's a hard thing to let go of, but if you hold on to that perfectionism, you're going to have a hard time being successful as a business owner. It's why so many times we talk about, you know, this is where you have to let go of your perfectionism Mm -hmm. in launch. Yeah. It's why so many times we talk about, don't worry about all this other stuff that you're mm-hmm. seeing you have to do. That's a distraction. And it's why we give you, here's the only thing you need to do this week during the yeah. during the first phase of launch, right? Um, and you c- can ignore everything else. Just do these things, right?
1: And, I, and I've had launch members in office hours say, but wait a second. What about all these other things? Like, yeah, those are good things to do. Later. Later. Right. Yeah. Focus on. I know it feels like there's a million more things to be working on. Focus on a couple things, and then you can work on the rest of it.
0: Yeah, and so perfectionism is really dangerous as an entrepreneur. Right? The the second thing that perfectionism does is it for it causes you to focus on things that are not as important.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, like Going, getting
1: perfect pictures on your website.
0: Right, exactly, right? <laughs> so you spent hours trying to get your website perfect when in reality, any tweak be- beyond hour number two is gonna have such low marginal returns
1: mm-hmm.
0: that you're not even gonna notice it. At least you'll notice it over a 10 or 20 decade period, <laughs> right? Right. And so perfectionism causes you to really focus in on things far too long and in far too detail. And that's a, that's a really, really dangerous thing, you know, because it, it means that you're going to spend a lot of time getting a few things perfect, as opposed to a short amount of time getting a lot of things Good sufficient. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Minimally viable business. Yes. That's the yep. thing that we keep pushing in launch.
0: Yeah. And as we look at that idea, you know, that goes back to, again, the A students work for C students, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: E, the reality is, you know, there's there's a joke in like the, the medical boards or, you know, law school or the CFP exam or other things like that. These really, really tough exams. And there's this joke that I've said it, I know other people have said it, other professors have said it, where a student will come up being really excited. Oh, I got a 90% on it, Right oh, so you over, overstudied by 20%, <laughs>
1: right?
0: And it's somewhat of a joke because it's like you got a 90%, the person got a 70%, no one knows what percent anyone got on the boards, right? right? It doesn't when matter I, if I, you I, pass, yeah, it's passed. You pass, passed. you pass, that's all that matters. Yeah. But there is another level of truth to that, which is if you overstudied by 20%, what else could you have used that time on? <laughs> could you have used that time to start working on your specialty?
1: Mm-hmm. Could
0: you use that time to start understanding the medical billing process to make you more attractive to hospitals to hire?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Could you have used that time to take a couple of psychology and counseling classes to take to have a better bedside manner, which studies have shown greatly improves patient outcomes? Right?
1: Could and you have with- taken that time to- to rebuild relationships that you haven't talked to in 16 years because you yeah, on forth. the personal side. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, because you've yeah. gone on
0: vacation, right? Right. <laughs> uh, had a date with your spouse who hasn't seen you in six months, right? And and so there is a truth to that of when you spend so much time on something, you are saying no to other things. And those other things, whether they're more important for your career or they're more important for your personal life. Are still more important
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that is a huge downside of perfectionism right? I love hiring perfectionists. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time having them as business partners
1: hey mm-hmm. now yeah.
0: <laughs> but you grew a lot in your perfectionism over the course of yes. going through launch like yes i I saw the growth, even in the questions (laughs) that you were asking us during office hours.
1: Where it stopped turning from, but, 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 but to just like maybe one or two buts. But what about this? But what about that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the buts were more focused on
1: transitioning
0: forward. Yeah. On important things, but also transitioning forward to other things as opposed to buts that kept you in a cycle. Mm. Right. And so there was a lot of growth that, that. I mean, I could see that yeah, growth <laughs> happen, right? And you've talked. Okay,
1: fine. That. I won't take it personally anymore then.
0: Yeah, um, and, and per, you know, perfectionists. It's it's a it's really really easy to get to just get sucked into time for Texas.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. It is. <laughs> yeah. So the your comment about overstudying, um, Emily and I have are both studying together for the AFC exam. And that's something that we've actually been talking about the last couple of sessions was how much of this do we actually need to know? Because there's for those of you who haven't taken the AFC test, there's online mo- study modules, but then there's also textbooks that go along with it. And holy crap, this textbook, it's like a full on like college type textbook of here's all the definitions. And here's 18 chapters. And we're like, do we really need to know all of these you know, investment formulas and all of these tax books. I don't really think we need to know this. And so my my perspective has turned into okay, if I know a hundred percent of these modules and like 50 to 60% of these modules, then I'm gonna call it good because that's gonna average out to enough to get me to pass. I'm not gonna spend the time focusing on things that are not going to be as relevant.
0: I think that works for the AFC. Yes. I think that works for the AFC.
1: And that's what we've talked about is there are some, like there's a bunch of ratios where like, I know we need to know the ratios. Those are going to be super important. right? But some of the other super complex things, we're like, this textbook has charts in it. They're not going to give us charts on the test. We're pretty sure. And if they do, yeah. then we have a chart and we know how to read the chart.
0: Yeah. So. so for those of you who are studying for things other than the AFC, right? That doesn't necessarily work for the, for. For, I know it doesn't work for the CFP.
1: I'll also so say there. that I'm a very confident test taker because I like tests.
0: Yeah. yeah. So there are the perfectionist are,
1: category too. Yeah. I like there tests because I test well. Yeah.
0: There are eight different uh, areas of the CFP. No, it's fourteen. Fourteen different areas of the CFP, and you could get absolutely perfect scores on thirteen of them fail the 14th and you would still fail the CFP. Mm. So yeah,
1: are, somehow, or you have to it, get a certain benchmark in each or something like that. Yeah, it,
0: It's, it's a, it's based on a, an algorithm that's across broad competency. And so if mm. you don't have broad competency, then it's not going to work. And, um, you know, for, for those of you who are also studying for the medical boards, also studying for EA, <laughs> also studying yeah. for, uh, to be a lawyer, right.
1: Study um, your test. Keep know in what, yeah.
0: Know. <laughs> know what your test, how your test works, to to do a strategy, yeah. Yes. Um. And then the final danger with perfectionism is that it will lead you to make really, really bad mistakes.
1: Mm. Right. Your fear of making little mistakes will lead you to making big mistakes.
0: That's part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And part of it is your perfectionism makes you not want to look like you uh, made a mistake.
1: Mm, and so there,
0: or you try to cover it up or you try to, you say, I'm sure I can figure this out from what I already know. And you give an answer when what you know is woefully insufficient to have given an answer, right? Yeah. And so there is there's client harm, there's brand damage potential there, there is liability potential there. And so, again, you know, perfectionism it, it can lead you to cause um, to make really big mistakes in that regard. I think that's a good way, place to stop it. On that wonderful downside.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: So the moral of the story: stop pretending that you have your shit together. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well.